Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Wesker demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley Spaghetti. And today we're talking a movie from 1992 available on Amazon Prime, A League of Their Own. 1992, dude. 1992, dude. So look, it's give or take Gina Davis's character Dottie is about 23, let's say in A League of Their Own, and the Baseball Hall, so she's playing during the war, and the Baseball Hall of Fame opens up in 1988, as depicted in the film, of the Women's Baseball League, that exhibit. And so she would have been about 68. Guess how old Gina Davis is right now? 68? Yeah. Whoa, math. I mean, I wasn't a kid exactly when I saw this movie. Uh, I was about 16, 17 when this movie was released. And when Lynn Cartwright, who plays the older Dottie, has her scenes, I was like, how did they do that? Because it's so obviously not Gina Davis with big face, stiff, prosthetic makeup. Wait. And didn't you think the older Dottie was remarkably similar? Yes. Was it not Gina Davis? It wasn't. Lynn Cartwright, an older actress who was about age appropriate, but dubbed with Gina Davis's voice. Oh, wild. So she, yeah, she did the ADR after the fact, matching her lips to Lynn Cartwright's performance, which it still blows my mind because it's obviously Dottie's voice. We've heard Gina Davis the whole film and Mm -hmm. to, to look uncannily like her was distracting. Wow. And I assumed that Gina Davis was the only one who appeared as her older self because it was necessary because Gina Davis is so distinct as a person. Also, because her care, we know her character so intimately. But wow. By contrast, the lady who played Kit, the older lady, they didn't dub Laurie Petty's voice, so it's just a different actress. And Doris, the the woman who played Doris, was an actual AAPL player. Nice. So the the actor who played old Doris was an actual AAPL player, but not Doris Murphy. Correct. I would not Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) And not Rosie O'Donnell in prosthetics. Were there any of the actual Rockford Peaches in the final scene? I'm not sure about the actual peaches, but I imagine there were. 
because they died. They, you know, they died. They they got older. To to have been an adult in World War II it means you have to be really old by this point. And so some of the notables, not mentioned in the film, but some of the notable heavyweights in the league at that time, died as recently as February this year and last year, 2021 in July. I know there was a, a major player, uh, you know, kind of Dottie Henson level that that passed away. So is this a um is the Dottie and Kit story? Is it a fictional story? Uh, it is the Dottie character is based on a big time player for the girls' league during the war, but she was a pitcher. So basically, a fictional narrative with a factual backdrop. Right, and they went to pretty great lengths to make it, you know, historically accurate. Uh, indeed, they they couldn't have a diverse cast because uh, people of color weren't allowed in the league, even though National Baseball had been desegregated already. That's weird, right? Yeah. So they put in that scene where they hit a ball and the, the black lady picks it up and chucks it really hard and they're like impressed. And yeah. I guess that little moment was a nod to that historical authenticity that people still mention, you mm. know, to this day or, or talk to the filmmaker for years and years, talk to the filmmakers and say and bring up that scene. How, how many times have you seen this movie? Have you seen? Please tell me you've seen this movie. I've definitely seen A League of Their Own. It's been a minute. It was surprising to me how many of these moments, how many of the sounds and cadences I knew. Yeah. So I must have seen this a number of times, like back in the 90s. I saw it a bunch, partially because this is one of Gary Garcia, our friend Gary Garcia's favorite movies. And so I always thought that was weird because Gary had an extensive collection of VHS movies. And I say had because Gary Garcia is definitely still around, but his VHSs probably are not. So this is one of Gary's favorite movies. Interesting. It's a very, it's a feel good movie. I think the tone is largely set by the big band score or background tracks. Yeah, the music plays a big part. There's a full orchestral score that's very wide and very big and sweeping. Uh, apparently, Hans Zimmer, who did the score, didn't know anything about baseball. And that may account <laughs> for it's like, you know, not nostalgia, kind of old timey baseball, anything related to baseball tropes. It was just a big movie score. Is this a baseball movie? Is this a, or is this like a Moneyball type movie where baseball is where baseball's not the point? I do feel like baseball is the point. The you know, the players they're all determined by how well they can play. They're only the best, and we play a lot of baseball. It doesn't come to, it. It comes down to the sisterly rivalry, of course, but all in the guise of baseball. It just so happens that they're playing on on different teams. I don't think that baseball is secondary at all in this movie. It's it's constantly there. I mean, it's the, mm -hmm. the focal point of their entire existence as being propped up by Ira. That's his whole focus is, is just like, you got you to gotta be playing. You got to be great. You got to bring in the crowds. Uh, otherwise, it's all going to fall to pieces. So I think everything is in service to keeping this league in play, literally. Ira Lowenstein, played by the amazing David Strathairn. Yeah. He succeeded in keeping the league afloat. Like, apparently, they, they went on for many seasons. In real life, yeah. And then it came to an end when they nationally televised major baseball league games. Mm. At that point, they, what, women's baseball wasn't suitable for television? Well, you couldn't, they wouldn't flock to the little uh, outfields and stuff, to the stadium. Little, what, I don't know what they're called. Yeah, ballparks. People went to see them locally because they couldn't access baseball otherwise. Ah. When national games in the big cities were televised to the sticks, they can watch it and didn't care as much about women's baseball. Gotcha. Do you know for how long Ira Lowenstein succeeded in running the league? 
I'm not sure that that was a real character. It could have been. I just don't know. Like Walter Harvey and Harvey bars weren't a thing as far as I'm aware. Hmm. So I'm not I'm not really sure. I just know that it lasted for, you know, probably 10 years. I mean, I only thought about it because in the Hall of Fame scenes, the old Dottie scenes, they're like, oh, she only played one season. Yeah. And he said, you should do it. You kept it alive, the league alive all those years, which speaks to something. Right, yeah, the one ball player steps up in defense of Ira Lowenstein, and then even um, Ernie Cappadino makes a reappearance <laughs> in the Hall of Fame scene. With his, and only because he's so old, only because he poses with a cigar in the same John Levitt's pose. <laughs> uh, two questions about Ernie Cappadino. What is Ashtabula? I have no idea. This This movie is pretty worlds away from my existence. I looked it up because I was like, that's got to have some significance, right? Apparently, John Lovitz has availed himself of any responsibility for both the no skin off my ashtabula and the pickle tickle lines saying, <laughs> quote, they were just in the script. But apparently there really isn't. It's just a, a wordplay. Just sounds vaguely like ass and, and, and just extended to make it family friendly, so to speak. I think so. I mean, the only real existence of an Ashtabula is is a city in Ohio. So, yeah, it's probably just some down homey expression or maybe someone made it up to your point just to be PG-13. No, PG. Yeah, PG. I mean, John Lovitz undoubtedly steals the first 30 minutes of the movie and then just completely disappears. Like, okay, I'm going to let everybody else have their stage. Not only does he disappear, but he says, oh, don't worry, I'll be back, and then doesn't come back. <laughs> he showed up with his cigar 50 years sure. later, later or something. But right. uh, he had longer lines and a lot of crude things. They kept all the most awkward, rudest, crudest things that he said and made it into this fantastic supercut of a, you know, crotchety scout type guy. But uh, it made it pretty neat and tight, and, and I appreciate that. Okay. Can John Lo John Lovitz play like a constant focal point in a movie for two hours? I'm not sure, but in this tight little role where he kind of kind of comes up, does his set, steals the show, and then walks off, is maybe his strongest suit. Yeah, he might be a little strident to like maintain for two plus hours. Right. But his his cameos here are pretty memorable, and his character, his kind of despicable but lovable character, is very in line with the other men in the story, a.k.a. Tom Hanks. Yeah, his character just morphs and evolves into the Jimmy Dugan character. <laughs> right, which, interesting role for America's dad. Yeah, well, so Tom Hanks, this is regarded, it was widely regarded at the time as Tom Hanks's fat, <laughs> fat movie, which seems <laughs> so absurd, because he's like, I got fat. I ate nonstop, and the local Dairy Queen was my go-to, and I gained 30 pounds for this role. And I'm like, I can see it nowhere. I mean, I guess for Forrest Gump, he was slimmer than this and, and <clears throat> much slimmer in Philadelphia for different reasons. But compared to the chunk he packed on 10 years later, nine years later for Castaway, he was, I guess he was heavier than the Tom Hanks we knew. But I do remember thinking, this is it. This is Tom Hanks getting old. He He's now chunkier and he looks haggard and is all unshaven. And it, it was weird. And now he looks really young looking back of course we're looking at this movie 30 years later crazy town he does look young i did feel like he was a little tubby compared <laughs> to his forrest Gump role and compared to his the second role he plays in castaway the super skinny tom hanks but he feels appropriately jimmy dugan 
kind of, you know, an athlete who's really let himself go. And he has this, in his, he really t- carries the Jimmy Dukin character in his body with his limp and the cartilageless knee. And, um, you know, al- also athletes, I feel like, are always just kind of broken. Yeah, when not they're on the older. field, they pull it together uh, and, and, and perform when they have to. And then they limp off and, like, get all drunk. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, and also, like, all the years of, like, testing your body, and basically, I'm thinking, like, all f- football players, all tennis players, they're just, like, completely broken by their 30s and 40s. Yeah, I think the rigors of being a pro athlete are not conducive to long-term health as as amazing performers as they are during their career. Right. I think Tom Hanks really successfully embodies that, and it's such a weird role. Like, why is Jimmy Dugan lovable? He's like yelling at everybody and the, the spittle is flying and the chewing tobacco is flying. And does, doesn't he smack people? He smacks uh, Mrs. Ketchup or whatever on the butt and uh, <laughs> and he makes out with her. Yes. Right? And, and it's still we're still at a time where that kind of role undoubtedly was accurate. I mean, I'm guarantee that that happened. Tom Hanks joked in the 90s that it was every guy's fantasy that all his teammates would be quote chicks like today imagine in a movie or a show like grabbing the surly coach guy grabbing the the lady and like smooching her and stuff and and didn't you say there's like save a piece of that action for me or something crazy yeah it retains not only a 90s charm but also a period authentic 40s charm i suppose I guess. I can't. It feels like he's channeling some kind of weird Donald Trump grab him in the beep mentality. But he's definitely uh, trading on or, or, or relying on our goodwill for good guy Tom Hanks. It's just so ironic that it doesn't wear thin. Yeah, he harasses Mrs. Cuthbert. And he also, at the very top of the movie, talks about how women aren't ball players. They're the people you sleep with after the ball game. <laughs> Right. In his drunken tirade. Which was not lost on me. And then he also does that super inappropriate prayer about the waitress who yelled, God, God. <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, anyway, look, he's obviously not the focus of this film, even though he does get top billing. He does and doesn't appear until after John Lovitz makes his exit. So at least 30 minutes into the movie before he appears. So what this is, is the bad person who is made funny or whatever but i can't get away from this comparison to there were some troubling things going on and the worst that we've got is bob gets shot in the leg and betty spaghetti's husband doesn't make it home right and she cries and it's like oh the war the war but we don't see any of the stuff any of the horror the mere idea of grown-ups being in a movie that's rated pg-13 i have contempt for Why? Because somehow it's just there's a veneer you can't get past. Yeah, you could you could have done some things. PG, really? It's like by accident you didn't make a movie for adults. I guess the reason it has parental guidance suggested in the first place is because all of those like bruises and that crazy sliding bruise that they cover up, all that was real. People got hurt. (laughs) Why was it even PG? They were smoking cigars. Mm, There was definitely smoking. There was smoking of cigarettes as well. And smooching and salacious dancing. There was some salacious dancing. There was talk of bosoms flying out of uniforms. Right. They're really mean to Marla Hooch. Marla Hooch. Hooch. What a hitter. Yeah, why are they so mean to Marla Hooch? She's ugly. Yeah, but is that funny? No, it's not funny, as evidenced by the fact that both Dottie and Kit, just they're like, no, in solidarity, they put their suitcases down and they refuse to budge. 
Right. But this played up the the positive and negative attributes of pretty much everyone. I mean, they weren't caricatures, but definitely when he says Big Dottie Henson striding to the plate, I was always like, Gina Davis, really? But she is tall and she's statuesque and gigantic compared to pretty much everyone else. And she shot from low right. angles and stuff. And well, apparently good enough for 22 to have those fans. 22 for Doris. Yeah. She had her admirers who would shower her with gifts. Right. It was sweet. So uh, apparently Tom Hanks said that he was uh, encouraged to eat as much as he wanted, as much as he could, at the Dairy Queen. And by contrast, Rosie O'Donnell, Penny Marshall asked her to eat as little as possible. Really? Yep. That's what she said anyway. As much as this cast is not diverse ethnically, I guess there's a wide assortment of different looking women. Marla Hooch. Hooch. You also get Miss Alabama or whomever. So Rosie O'Donnell also making an appearance in A League of Their Own 2022. I guess so. That's what I heard. Which, have you seen it? Nope. Do you know anything about it? Uh, I'm hearing way gayer, all the gay, all the time. If it's true, if the new League of Our Own is true, the majority of the women were, or that a lot of the women were either in relationship with each other or women outside of the League, then it's a kind of a big oversight for A League of Their Own 1992. At the same time, I also understand there are lots of players of different ethnicities that aren't necessarily uh, accurate, period accurate. I'm not sure. Like kind of rewriting history? Right. The cast is much more ethnically diverse now, right? Right. And I don't know like how historically accurate that is. So, But Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna make an interesting comedy duo. Yeah, and apparently Rosie O'Donnell was hesitant and, and nervous about meeting Madonna, and now they're besties. Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Odonna. Madonna seems like she's besties with everybody. Nope. Like, isn't everyone stoked nope. to be besties with Madonna? Yeah, nope. Madonna's besties with Gwyn with Gwynny. Who the hell's Gwynny? Excuse me. Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, Madonna is? I think so. So here's the way it goes. This is strange. Deborah Winger, for reasons she's never really fully disclosed, was cast as Dottie. And then Madonna signed on and she was like, and she noped out of there. Deborah Winger said no because she felt that Madonna was going to turn this into it was like a cash grab or like a it was a casting stunt to get more eyes on the picture a la Keanu Reeves in Dracula. Francis Ford Coppola needed a dude that the women would swoon over so he cast Keanu Reeves who maybe wasn't right for that part. Anyway Deborah Winger considered that stunt casting and dropped out as a result and in her defense says well I mean look at where Madonna's acting career is today was I wrong? But they were in a little, they were shooting in rural Indiana, a bunch of towns, and Madonna hated it. And she's like, I'm dusty all the time, and I have no makeup on, and it's horrible. And I made a few friends, but they're, you know, athletes. They're not actors. And I wish I was in New York, and the people suck. And and uh, apparently in, in a little town in Indiana where they filmed, her uh, behavior is still legendary. And that town embraced not liking Madonna. So Madonna didn't make any friends and had a horrible time and made everyone miserable because of it? Yeah. And she was relegated to from third base person to outfielder because she couldn't field balls. Hmm. In stark contrast to Rosie O'Donnell and newcomer Lori Petty, who between the two of them were the best ball players in the cast. In real life. Yeah. And Lori Petty, going back to her, did, I think, a great job. She's very emotional. She's very emotive and strong and fast. And I think she plays this role really well. Had to have her hair dyed blonde. Uh, she originally was cast to match Deborah Winger and then needed to look more like Gina Davis. And I guess when Gina Davis come on board, you dye Lori Petty's hair to match hers. 
<laughs> well, Gina Davis is so distinctive. That makes sense. And they feel like sisters. And like you were saying, there's a, in terms of like athletic white chicks, right? They're all distinct in their looks. Yeah. And she came in after Deborah Winger left and only had a few weeks to prep and was like outplaying most of the people by the time cameras started rolling. You know, G Gina Davis, a near Olympian, albeit for archery. <laughs> no kidding. Gina Davis, man, full of surprises. She really is the genuine article, isn't she? Yeah. And then she marries the most boring dude ever in this movie. Could Bob be Bill any Pullman? more like timid and weird? Aw, Bill Pullman's so sweet and handsome. Yeah, you can't see him like yelling though and running and getting shot in the leg by a sniper and junk. <laughs> I forgot how beautiful you are. Let's go home. <laughs> well, what can you say? He's the he's the dairy manager. Yeah. Some or someday he'll be superintendent. Or, <laughs> no, he's the dairy assistant manager, dude. Bob ain't going further than dairy manager. Which is fine, you know, she, and that's the thing, like, Dottie's got all this talent and wants to lead the simple life. Yep. Can you begrudge her that? Originally scripted, Jimmy and Dottie, we're going to, we're going to get it on. They were going to have a thing and then they dropped that. Really? Yeah, because they kind of have their thing. I, I mean, the, the follow through is as loose as the executives also wanted Dottie to help Jimmy with his drinking. So they compromised by giving him a Coke. <laughs> right. Which, you know, not exactly the way you treat alcoholism, but it's a start. Yeah, because Coke is awesome. Little kindness, little I care about you gesture. Right. Go a long way. They had their thing, and I thought that it was, a even though it was a very simple gesture, it was a major turning point when Jimmy offers Dottie the chewing tobacco. Like, that is the turning point in the movie where Jimmy starts to connect and they start, Dottie and Jimmy start their kind of kinship. Yep. And when they can be comfortable with each other because of everything they've been through, but on a more personal level. And she's like, you look like shit. Don't you ever shave? And he's like, we're going to win. And then later, afterwards, <laughs> after they lose uh, and they're saying goodbye to everyone, he's got a little piece of tissue on his face, which shows that he actually shaved. <laughs> right. That was a good little detail. The way that he reads signs is hilarious. Like her mocking him was like a good omen. And also he took such incredible joy out of hitting Stillwell Angel in the face with the mitt. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> like he was just elated. So two questions about Dottie. Actually, one about Gina Davis and one about Dottie. Can Gina Davis do the splits? Yes, she can, but she cannot slide into the splits. She can assume that position. So she was in splits position when they did the close-up, but when she slid into it, stunt double. Man, so many layers to the onion that is Gina Davis. How did I know that you were going to hit me with the splits question? God, I'm good. <laughs> you got to be prepared. I'm kind of I'm coming at you from all I'm, angles. I'm prepared. I'm the <laughs> I'm the one that's jabbing you from all directions. I'm the little sister from Nope. Yep. And from A League of Their Own. All drama, kind of a pain in the ass, a little bit shrill. Come on. <laughs> drama. What else? What do you Give got? Me a break. Um Dottie lets go of the ball. Let's just, it's not even a question. Let's just be real. Yep. I mean, she has the dead hand in the frame. She's not scrambling for it or anything, but I have to believe that was the case. I mean, she nailed her a good one, but you would think that all of Dottie's focus and energy would have been in keeping the ball clutched. Tuck it into yourself or whatever. Grab it with both hands against your chest when you're getting like shouldered by your sister and it's all dramatic and stuff. But to lose the ball, at least the way that it was framed, seemed deliberate. 
So doesn't it lessen Kit Keller's win, at least from our perspective? I mean, you can see the smile or whatever, and no one's like, what the hell was that? But it's such a satisfying win. I mean, the stands erupt and, and, and Kit's all hopping around all crazy and getting embraced by her teammates. And you can see Jimmy's devastated, but Dottie's happy and smiling. Uh, and no one blames Dottie. It was the best possible outcome, I think. And really, really satisfying for the Kit character for being cast with a, you know, pretty much an unknown in Laurie Petty. I think it works really well. I don't know. But also, you know, they can. she can be like, you know, it would never be questioned. She would never be like, you know, you dropped that ball because you knew that I, that's what I needed or whatever. Why? Because it was such a hard hit? It was just for us. Because it was played out? Yeah. Maybe, maybe Dottie did it, but it would never be admitted to Kit. Somehow makes it a touch less satisfying for me because Dottie was a true player and she gives the pitcher the instruction to do the high fastballs knowing that it's going to throw kit and stuff like she's playing for her team and she's playing for keeps and that's good sportsmanship what was necessary was for kit to come into her own and out of the shadow of her big sister right and so as soon as she was traded to racine she could have had a whole other arc right this is like her moment she's proving herself she's performing on that team you know she's respected by her peers she's seen as an individual we missed that whole op- that whole third act opportunity we go straight to the world series Dottie's back and it would have been more satisfying had kit truly truly earned the win it wasn't called racine a team of their own this is about rockford and so it was important for Rockford to lose? Yeah. It was important for Jimmy Dugan not to get his bonus? Yeah. For Dottie Hinson not to get her crown title for the one season that she played? It was all about sisterhood and bonding and a real experience and not all sugar-coated for you. This is a hard, wartime, in-the-dirt, scrabbling-for-glory tale. As indicated in the final shot being a photo of the two sisters. Yeah. Aw. So you're saying this is a sibling movie. That's so sweet. Oh, it's so sweet. Even though she's like, is Aunt Kit going to be there? And when they reunite at the Baseball Hall of Fame thing, it's as though they haven't seen each other since the first, like, (laughs) I mean, maybe that's not the case. But it was almost like, I haven't seen you since we played baseball together when we were 20. (laughs) <laughs> that last parting moment in the stadium right. where she like buys the pennant and they all leave all tearfully. Yeah, and she's like, oh, are you coming home for Christmas? And she's like, no. <laughs> I kind of like it here. See, she fa- found her big own. big city, Chicago. So that's what you got to do. As a sibling, it's important that what you do is you give them just enough lines so that they can go and explore on their own while still having this illusion of the tether and the security. And then you cut them loose without their knowing it. And then younger siblings go off and find, try to flourish in the big bad world. Mm-hmm. 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 You make them think, you know, see, you can do it on your own without the training wheels. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a responsibility to make it feel like you're self-sufficient. I'm giving you the, the placating mm-hmm yeah, that I give to Bean and Bun. <laughs> yeah, your taste in music and movies is your own, sure. Whatever. <laughs> nice try. Okay, last Dottie Henson question, and then let's wrap it up. Does she really catch the ball, or is that special effects? visual effects with the hand yeah i'm pretty sure the smack was added in post but it wouldn't be that hard you chuck it from a a correct trajectory or even from a machine she probably could have caught it it might have hurt a little bit but undoubtedly i think she caught the she caught a ball for that shot both do the keller sisters got the no look hand catch thing down yeah 
but apparently it's not like instinctual because Kit at one point, according to Dottie, throws a rosin bag in her face, which apparently she didn't catch and tells her to get her fat ass off the couch or something. Wait, what? When's she says, you know, wasn't it you who threw a rosin bag in my face and told me to get my fat ass off the couch? Oh, so yeah. We're going to chalk it yeah, up yeah. to uh, to on the field. It's all athleticism. And then off the field, they're just broken down athletes. OK, so we so you mentioned that this is one of Gary Garcia's favorite movies. Yep. Is it one of yours? Uh, I like A League of Their Own a lot for the same reason. I like the help. I like its accessibility. I think the characters are great. This is my favorite Gina Day. No, Thelma no. Louise in retrospect. But this is my other favorite Gina Davis movie where I think she is best cast. She's perfect for this role in this movie. I can't imagine Deborah Winger or anybody else doing it. I think that all the cameos and all the small roles were really well cast. I don't know or care about about Madonna's efficacy or her worth uh, in the movie as, you know, compared to the star power of her casting. It's quotable, it's fun, it's easy to dip in and out of. Uh, I've seen the movie several times since 1992, and I really, really like it. Um, I just can't confirm or uh, allow for its historical authenticity or or representation or failure in, in, in that respect or whatever. Don't really care. A League of Their Own, as it stands you know, for a movie, I think is a really, really good movie that has a great ensemble cast, uh, has nice arcs for everybody, and doesn't have to be 12 years a slave, historically accurate or brutal, you know? And your official rating is? It's interesting because all things considered as just a movie going experience for what mom would call a woman's movie it doesn't really have any any sore thumb flaws that i can see is it a little bit light and surfacey sure is it period authentic there are lots of historical in inaccuracies in terms of oh they didn't have jimmy dugan's pitching machine until 1951 and all this stuff don't care for an immersive experience especially for my age in the early 90s i liked this movie a lot and would give it a totally i guess for a more refined more experienced moviegoer now i don't know but uh for what it is I think this is a really solid movie. Might probably be my favorite Penny Marshall movie. Let's go with a totally review. A little bit of a surprise, I think, for a baseball movie, for some family fare, for a 90s movie, and for a movie with relatively little bite. I'll go with a good. <laughs> and that's our discussion on A League of Their Own from 1992, available on Amazon Prime Video. A totally from Wes, a good from Iris. Let us know what you think. 818 835-0473. That's our hotline. Or whatever movies at gmail.com. You can email us or you can follow us on social media and hit us up there at or whatever movies on Instagram and Twitter. We hope you enjoyed these bridge episodes between Nicolas Cage month and the upcoming awards season. Some fan favorites, some classics. We also have Halloween coming up. So a lot of exciting things on Or Whatever Movies. Check us out, orwhatevermovies.com, or wherever you get podcasts. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. 
Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.